Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. Yes, that means you are listening to the Mystery of Parenthood. Please do slow down and um, and join us as we talk today about some amazing things that are going on. But um, we're going to begin, as we always do, with our prayer. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love with the Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for us. St. John Paul II, pray for us. And so... um, we're so excited. We have one of our regulars, Monica Ashour, on the show with Tobit. That's the Theology of the Body evangelization team. Yeah, I'm, my, my lips are not moving very well today, but <laughs> we got Monica on. Welcome, Monica. And we, of course, got Thaddeus here with us as well. Howdy, Trey. Howdy. Good to see you, man. Good to Good see to you. Monica, great to hear from you. We uh, always enjoy having you on. We just try to keep up with you as best we can. That's hard. Um, and as far as keeping up, I mean, can anybody touch you? The output of uh, reading material that you're you're <laughs> prolific. Right I mean, prolific doesn't even really touch it. <laughs> but you've got a new book out, Catholicism for. Are you? You will be having a new book out uh, called Catholicism for Everybody. Correct. Yes, by the end of March, it'll be out. So I'm very excited. Catholicism for everybody. It's meant to be for uh, level eight, which is around eighth grade. And uh, gosh, I'm really super excited about it. So thanks for uh, letting people know. This sounds like it could be the catechism through the lens of the theology of the body or something like that. Is that, is that... How do you know? That's exactly what she's <laughs> an expert in Phoenix. She's like, Monica? This is basically a catechism through the theology of the body lens, and that's why I did it. Uh, Angelo Cardinal Scola said every teacher can be taught from a theology of body perspective, and so I tried to do that. I've been trying for 25 years now, and so it's about time I came up with this book. It's been 25 years in the making, I would say. Yeah, it's exciting because I've always agreed with you and that, that theology of the body is something for everybody and for every situation because it's a way of looking at our humanity through the lens of, of the church, through Jesus Christ, through what his revelation about who we are meant to be and how we're meant to act. And I think it's missing today. So congratulations on, on the, on the book. I look forward to, to reading it myself. So, yeah. And it yeah, sounds like we're going to, we're going to take a little uh, chapter, if you will, from that book, soon to be out at the end of March, Catholicism for Everybody. And we're going to look at the liturgy through the theology of the body, which I'm excited to see how you're going to do this, because I, I don't know well, it, how this is going to be pulled off. I think it's going to be a, a really interesting ride today. What came to mind for me is old RCIA here, and they may still do it, but they used to call it, they, one of the classes was Catholic Gymnastics, you know, mm. looking at the <laughs> at the liturgy and, and the ups and downs mm-hmm. and the kneeling and the crossing and the genuflection. And, and um, because I think so many people, that's honestly, I think a lot of people, I know I do when I bring somebody who's not Catholic to it, I have to prepare them for, cause they're 
generally used to either standing or most of the time sitting mm-hmm. and we're up and down and oh we're kneeling now okay no we're standing now oh, okay and so but but it it is so critical for parents i think to understand what's going on in that because the church in her great wisdom is using that to teach all of us something mm-hmm. and, and especially when you get when you add in some of the other little subtleties of you know crossing yourself with the holy water when you enter the the mass uh when you uh strike your breast during the confidi or when you bow your head at the name of jesus there's there's a lot lots of little body movements that are a part of the catholic liturgy and that's probably only one dimension that you really have in mind monica isn't that right yeah but i would i would commend both of you for going there first, because so often when people hear theology of the body... Well, thank you. Thank you, Ramona. Attaching <laughs> it to liturgy, they're like, oh my gosh, theology of the body is only about sexuality, and so you're saying... No, that's that's not where we're going, especially at first. It's it's exactly what you're saying. So we have a second-grade book that's already out, and it's called The Body and Holy Mass, and so one of the pages I'm going to read, it says... Mm-hmm. Your body has eyes. What does God want you to find in the Mass with your sense of sight? Of course, sense has to do with the body. You can see the altar. Remind you that Jesus offers himself as a gift. You can see the light of the candles. They remind you that Jesus is the light of the world. You see both the water and the wine. They remind you that Jesus, God's Son, is both human and divine. So just that's one little page. And that, these second graders to awaken in them the senses and then the reverence which is due toward the body, their body, and then the body of Christ, the, the congregation, and then the body of Christ, the Eucharist. It's so awesome because because I have for years said that the way that you get to you know it, the the secular way of the talk with a with an older child a, a, about sexuality theology of the body is to actually have lived it out in all these different ways so that the kids become aware that their bodies are for something and that, you know, that your eyes are for something that your hands are for, so that they understand that the body is sacred, is special, is meant for something. That's how you get there. And an understanding of the sacraments obviously too, but, but it makes the conversation much easier if you can point back and say, remember how we, you know, there's certain ways that we act in certain circumstances with our body to do that. I've, I've always thought that was a great springboard instead of disconnecting that, you know, that talk with the rest of life that actually you're building up to that and beyond by awakening them. So your book is a great springboard to just an understanding of a Catholic view of what it means to be human and mm-hmm. I think that's a missing, it's not a missing link, it's there. But I, but extending it beyond sexuality is so critical to a really Catholic view of life and humanity. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> and, and then, you know, we, we are at Lent right now and right. leading up to Holy Week. And so I'm, I'm hoping toward the end of this interview, we will get to the Triduum because in my book, like it's just this incredible crescendo and it has everything to do with the body and but but many people don't even know i gave it gave a talk this past um saturday in houston to over 350 people 350 like, people man yeah yeah and they many, half of them had never heard theology of the body and they're like oh my gosh i've never thought about the liturgy in this way and i've never thought especially about holy saturday and you know, anyway. So Good on you for really introducing that many new people to the theology of the body. That's can you outstanding. Can to do that? That's so awesome. I mean, that's great. I mean, I, and, I, and it is, again, absolutely critical, I think, for us in this culture to begin as Catholics to understand the, the depth and breadth of what is going on in the theology of the body. Um, yeah, and then your your listeners, like the, especially the parents, like because this is what our audience is. If they were like, okay, this is a lot you're giving us, I, I would just say kind of what you're saying, Trey and Thaddeus, is make sure you mention the body to your children and its meaning. Right. I mean, that's that's the takeaway, and then it's going to be the day to day action, bodily actions. It'll be the, the body of Christ the Eucharist. And then, you know, the liturgy, which is all bodily, you know, um, and it leads to the spiritual. I mean, that's right. the way God wants to do it. That's why we have the incarnation. Mm-hmm. He, you know, the son didn't remain 
only divine. Um, it, he, he took flesh, and that's why we have sacraments, and that's why we're talking today. So I'm really excited about this opportunity. Yeah, in in our um, pre-show conversation, you brought up a famous axiom from St. Jerome, I believe, which is lex orandi, lex credendi. That's translated, as I've heard it, the law of prayer is the law of belief. And I've heard it explained that one one understanding of it is is the the way that we pray shapes what we believe. And how do you see the theology of the body um, maybe illuminating that even even more? Yeah, so um, I would say, um, let's just start with the crucifix, because children, um, whatever age, but they're, they're used to like bodily stuff and they love it. So for instance, when we get to the Triduum, the three holy days, what is one of the things that we do on Good Friday? We venerate the cross. And That's so right. That's right. You go up to the cross and you touch it or you kiss the cross. And, you know, so that, that's a bodily thing. And what is, what's awakened through that? You know, something like reverence for what Jesus did for us. And then a lot of people, like, when they get older, you know, your older teens, they might be saying, well, you Catholics don't believe Jesus rose from the dead because you still have the corpus on the cross, the crucifix. Mm-hmm. And a great response would be, well, you know what? Of course we believe he rose from the dead, but what the reason why we have the crucifix is because the body matters. Right. The body of Christ matters, and that is the ultimate display of God's love, his body on the cross. And... Um, when when we get to the Triduum, and maybe I'm escaping, I'm going too far ahead, but where where is that body on the cross hanging on Good Friday? Well, it's between heaven and earth. Mm-hmm. So what is the church trying to show us, you know, and God who designed this, like that his body is hanging between heaven and earth. So it's just things like this. And then what does the liturgy tell us about all of that? Um, so... I, I think it's actually really, really good that you're talking about the Triduum now, because I think sometimes we have a tendency to, if we if we shove off Holy Week until Palm Sunday, really be, to be meditating on it and thinking about it, I think it, it dampens our commitment to maybe our Lenten penances and our Lenten resolutions, and I think maybe it's easy to lose sight of why we are doing them. So I think it's I think it's good actually to be reflecting and pondering on Holy Week already. So and we can always double back to um kind of lent more more generally. So okay. go you ahead. Go for it. Okay. Yeah. Um well in in this book, Catholicism for Everybody, that the last lesson okay, so in all of the eighteen books of the Body Matters all of the pages have a white background, and then we have these original illustrations. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I'm telling you that is because in this very last chapter, all my books, there are three pages with a dark black background. And guess what those days symbolize? It has to do with Good Friday. Mm. And then the liturgy of um, you know the, the Good Friday and then Holy Saturday and, and Easter Sunday. Mm-hmm. But before I go into those, let me, here's my quiz uh, for Trey, and Trey, oh, no. if you get it wrong. <laughs> so what does the word triduum mean? I think you probably know that, don't you? Three days? Yeah, three days. It means three days. So what are those three days um, the parents might say to their children? So Trey, what would you say those three days are? Holy Thursday. Good Friday, yes. Holy yes. Saturday. Is that correct? Easter Sunday. Well, I mean, it's on. It's hundred. It's, it's you, Easter see, Sunday. I mean, the, the reason why I wanted you to make that connection, and I don't know if it's a mistake or not, truthfully, but usually you say Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter Sunday. Where is Holy Saturday? Well, see, I, I mean, so so the, here's my here's my problem <clears throat> for for literally since the kids were little our kids are they don't even know that there's an easter mass on easter sunday i mean we go we <laughs> go to the we go to the liturgy the uh, on holy 
I mean, it's Easter, but, but Easter the vigil, vigil, we go to Easter Don't vigil. On Holy Saturday. We, so we go to, so when I, so we go to church, that's when we, so for, I mean, over a decade, that's what we've done. So I, I, I guess that's why I do. I guess many people go on Easter Sunday and there's a disconnect. Maybe, I don't know, but yeah, I'll, I'll speak okay. from my own experience growing up. Um, yeah. Holy Saturday was a, was a definitely a marked day in our household growing up because we still didn't give up our, we didn't give up our Lenten fasts until 3 PM on Holy Saturday. So you, you know, I like, I knew what Holy Saturday was just because that's when my, my fasting was, was over and I could, you know, start eating candy again or something like that. But definitely from, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, at least from, from a little kid, I knew that, Oh, Holy Saturday is this distinct, you know, time. But I do agree with you that there's a, lo- a lot of its significance, um, not enough is made of its significance, that you know that's a day that Christ is in the tomb, right? That's, well, that's his body's in the tomb. And, he, and, he's, tomb. and he's gone down to, yes. and he's gone down to, uh, um, you know, to Sheol. Yeah. Yeah, or to, we could say hell. Yeah, to liberate the, the catechism says. Right. The catechism says the state of the this is catechism uh six two four. The state of the dead Christ is the mystery of the tomb and the descent into hell. Mm-hmm. It is the mystery of Holy Saturday. So let me let me kind of develop this is in my book. All, all of this is in the book. Um Catholicism for everybody. Um let me ask you this question. Out of the 365 days out of the year, what is the only day you can't receive the body of Christ? Good Friday. It's Holy Saturday. And so what, what is a- going on on Holy Saturday? Well, the way I put it in this book is the isolation of Good Friday extends further. Holy Saturday is the only day of the year we cannot receive the body of Christ. Why? On Holy Saturday, Christ descended into hell while his sacred body lay in the tomb. Because Jesus' human soul was separated from his body, we too, in commemoration of Holy Saturday, are separated from his body. And then, so if we think about what the church is meant to do on Holy Saturday, there is no liturgy. Now, be mindful of like on Good Friday, there's no mass per se, it's a Holy Communion service. That's right. And then the Mass of the Lord's Supper is, is Holy um, Thursday. But there's not supposed to be anything there. And then I deliberately go to um, Catholic churches on Holy Saturday to see what? To see the empty tabernacle. Yeah, and so th- that, I, I just, as I was thinking about this, I'm going because I'm, because of the way, and it's funny because as you're talking, I'm, the way I see things and extend, I'm so so I I think of Holy Saturday, and I guess again, this is just purely a I guess secular calendar, but but that's that's where I mean I, I'm I'm asking the question because I find it interesting when I think of the night Saturday night of Holy Saturday, I I think of that's when I will receive it. And then Friday, I typically don't receive because there's no mass on Good Friday. I do think it's really important for the the empty tabernacle and pointing to your kids, you know, that that's empty on on, um, that day. But maybe it's speaking to the fact that that this is pointing. I mean, I'm thinking aloud, so I could be wrong here. So this is this is this is not even in the cashicism yet. So, oh man, this so is this, like this is like rough hot, off the, hot off the presses, rough draft. But, but, but I, but I do think that there's something to this that that there seems to be this everything kind of flows into everything else and out. So this idea that you know you you don't just look at I'm not talking about the liturgy. I'm talking about right now. There's you can't disconnect Good Friday from the resurrection. I mean, it's it is the Paschal mystery. I mean, the whole, the whole thing. And so you and I talking as I'm giving the wrong answers, <laughs> not purposely, but, but, but as I'm thinking about it, I'm going, well, I don't receive communion on 
Friday, I do receive communion on Saturday. Oh, no, you don't. Can I jump no, in here? I can I? Can I try to? Can I try to? No, see no, if I'm I... saying. But so I guess what I'm saying, I don't because of the way. But but from a purely secular calendar, I, I mean, I'm receiving communion on on. I'm receiving communion. If somebody said, "Where are you Saturday night?" I'm at the Easter Vigil. In typical, so that maybe even points further to that the church is otherworldly to a, to an extent, or at least looks at things differently is maybe what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying most everybody that would go to the Easter vigil, if you said, when do you receive communion? You're going to say Saturday night, because at 11 o'clock at St. Mary's on Saturday, I, I'm going down to receive communion. Um, but, but, but I, I, I do know that what, I think I know what you're going to say, and I want you to I want you to say it. But I think this whole thing points to the fact that there's a disconnect between kind of the Catholic look at things and understanding of things, and a purely secular way of looking at things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As that yeah. is that you're going to take it. Oh, Go sure, sure. It. I can I can jump in and try to to muddy the waters some more, even still. Um, <laughs> so what I'm thinking about is. Liturgically speaking, the beginning of a day is demarcated the way it was in Jewish practice, which is at sundown, right? That's when the day begins. So that's why when the Easter Vigil begins at sunset, it's not Saturday anymore, it's Sunday. And and that the only... um, Eucharist that one can receive on the calendar day of Saturday is at the Easter vigil. So, but, but effectively you're not able to receive Eucharist on what is liturgically defined as Holy Saturday, which is from sundown on the secular calendar of Friday to sundown on the secular calendar Saturday. Yes. Right. So, so Lex Lerande, Lex Credit, what is the church trying to teach us by that day? Exactly. So now that we've clarified time-wise, and that what I put in the book is this, the church wants us to meditate on life without the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. This teaches us to long for the Eucharistic union and communion with our Lord. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those, you know, when, when kids grow up and they go to college and college sucks the life out of them oftentimes <laughs> because they, you know, they, they just don't believe a lot of times anymore because of the secular culture, what what parents could do even before they go off to college is what I would recommend are two things. On Holy Thursday, go on a pilgrimage from parish to parish to the mm-hmm. different Eucharistic chapels. Which we used to do as kids. Where, and it's available yes, here. I yes. know they do it. You can and, do it here. College station. Yeah, I know. A lot of people do it, you know, then, and you go to her. And so then they're like, oh, okay, there's another place where the Eucharist is. There's another place where the body of Christ is. And then the next day, have them realize that, remember, the altar was stripped. Mm-hmm. And then we go in, and there's no sign of the cross before or after on Good Friday. So Lexeronde, Lexcredendi. What is the church teaching us? It kind of is what you were just saying, um, uh, Trey, that that it's like of one piece. The triduum is of one piece, one liturgy, you might say. Mm-hmm. And so, and then you get to the Easter vigil. So it's it's the commemoration of Sunday. Right. And then where does it? Lexerunda, Lexcredin. Oh, sorry, I, I skipped over Holy Saturday. So Holy Saturday. <laughs> See, you, Holy Saturday is kind I of. I like messed you up day. totally. No, you didn't mess me up. You, you, it, it shows you like the triduum is Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter Vigil. It's like this no man's land, this Holy Saturday. And so then yep. you take them to different parishes. Now, some parishes kind of violate this and they're de- decorating or whatever, but it would be great if you found a church where there's an empty tabernacle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you whisper to your five-year-old, you talk to your 12-year-old, your 17-year-old, and like, Look at what life is like without the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. It's empty. You know, where, where is Christ? You know, you never want to live life without Jesus Christ, right? Mm-hmm. 
Right. And then you're kind of putting them that longing and then tray. Most people, they don't do what your parents taught you. Like you still have to kind of keep that Lenten fast, although it's no more Lent, right? The Tritum is a different season. Right. Uh-huh. And, and so you teach them that's an, its own season, you know, these three days. And then finally, what does the church do on the Easter vigil? It starts at night. And so that's another dark page that um, I put in my book. And I speak about the Mass begins on Holy Saturday, the darkness of Holy Saturday, and suspense builds. And then there's the, the, uh, the light from the Paschal candle. And then, you know, in, a, in other words, Jesus in the time of darkness, then we have the light of Christ. I, that, so, it's such don't, a great. I think that would be great for kids and oh, parents I think, to do. Yeah, so I mean, that's my that's the whole reason you if you can go if you go to an Easter vigil, fast and if you do it here and forewarn people that it can be lengthy. I mean, I've always said you can teach really salvation history <laughs> in that in that window of time, not only in what's read. But in everything that's done, every everything bodily that's done um, with bodies of the priest of whoever, it it is eye opening and a great gift um, as a teaching tool, I think, with for parents. And I I I don't know remember when we did it, and certainly I don't think it's for a you know a four year old or or somebody like that. But as early as you can get them. My kids don't even know that you could go to mass on Sunday morning. <laughs> I mean, uh, we've just always done it. Um, and so when you walk in there, the when you walk in, the it's a, it's open, you know, and the tabernacle's open, and it's empty. And we'd say we don't. You're not genuflecting. There's no. You don't see the light up there at the at the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. And and then when mm-hmm. we go to other places, unfortunately, sometimes it's difficult to find where that light is. <laughs> and but we don't genuflect just to, we find the we find the tabernacle. So that's something you can teach day to day and if you travel it's even better because you can actually ha- where so where is Jesus? Because fortunate or not, there's many churches where you have to turn the other direction <laughs> because he's He's actually reserved behind you when you walk in. We don't. We're not talking about that today. But but the bottom line is get them that, and then then that's a springboard into he's not here now. And then pointing out, look, they light the light when they when when they place him in the tabernacle and close it, and there's the light again. So I I, I just think it is a s- tremendous opportunity for parents to teach kids that whole that whole thing i mean i anyway i'm glad you did the book so you can help people um do that i just i just think it is it's my favorite mass of the year i guess it maybe should be but but i i i I love that but i do too and and i would say this though like for those parents who are not like you and stephanie don't take them to the easter vigil because it's crazy hard Right. So, yeah, maybe. Like, I don't want to put pressure like you have to be in order to be a good Catholic. You got to. No. Yeah. And I don't. There's not. You don't have to do that. Three year olds, whatever. No, but no. What I'm suggesting is on Holy Thursday, go to churches, you know, a, a pilgrimage. And then on Holy Saturday, go to those same ones and, and, and see that the emptiness, the juxtaposition between both. And subtly, and this is for more of the teenagers, when we say, that, you know, there there must be a serious reason that you can't receive the body of Christ. That is a subtle allusion to mortal sin. And so again, lex orande, lex credendi on Holy Saturday, you can't receive the Eucharist. You know, and and so it, to to teach teenagers, look, you never want to um, commit a sin that separates you from our Lord. And of course, talk about forgiveness and healing for those for those who do. But let me um, let me read what uh, Pope Benedict says about um, holy. It's actually about the holy shroud. What he says about Holy Saturday, he says, Jesus Christ, by remaining in death, passed beyond the doors of this ultimate solitude. 
Well, this is exactly what happened on Holy Saturday. The voice of God resounded in the realm of death. And then check this out, what he says. He says, the unimaginable occurred, namely, love penetrated hell. Isn't that crazy? Uh, mm, love penetrated hell. And so then we could, you know, back it up to what happened on Good Friday. And in my book, that's the other dark page, Christ's crucifixion involves every kind of suffering. And so on the cross, Jesus, like he was abandoned, mocked, he let go of his mom. And then remember, he cried out, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? Mm-hmm. He knew total isolation. And so to teach, and this is not for the lower kids, it's too intense. But for eighth graders and on up, we could say this. Jesus knew total isolation. And it, why? Because for you, and in my book I'm reading, this is the mystery of the cross. Out of love for us, Jesus chose to experience this isolation to save us from eternal isolation. In other words, his was an experience of hell. What is hell? Ultimate loneliness, ultimate isolation, no communion. Mm. The opposite of God's plan for us. So in other words, with the theology of the body, the ultimate thing is love for union. That is the goal because God is a communion of persons. But what Mm -hmm. Jesus has to experience is the opposite of communion on the cross so that we don't have to. When I used to teach this to high schoolers, I'm telling you, some of my students would cry. So for you parents to like really engage your kids who are eighth grade and on up, they can handle this and then bring them to the liturgy and have the the liturgy teach them further this and and then just say, but here's the deal. You are never alone. So that's what um, Pope Benedict goes forward and he'll say, the reason why we celebrate this, this Saturday emptiness is because it reminds us at the Easter vigil that you're never alone, that Christ will always be there. He suffered that solitude so you don't have to. And so there's a consolation and the resurrection. Like he, he is always there for us. I, I can. So you can see I get very excited about all this. Well, I th- I'm excited. And as I'm thinking here, I'm thinking for parents. So if you, if you do, like you said, peace, by, you know, take them on a Holy Thursday and you're doing it as a buildup, part of the end of that process, this, this is the way, if you're, if you're a smart parent, you, you do this. You build up an expectation, but you're not old enough yet to handle the vigil. One day mm-hmm. you'll get to be there. But this is, I'm going to, and so you're teaching them all along, you're connecting the dots and you're going, so one day when you're older (laughs) and you keep doing that over time, they're going to, they're going to be begging (laughs) to, at some point, I mean, you hope that they would be begging. I I, I can do it. You know, it's three, it's three hours. It's a big deal. It's beautiful. It's the culmination. Um, and it's my favorite, but I'm not sure you can handle it yet. (laughs) I mean, the, the, I, you know what? What? I mean, I think that's a Trey. Uh, sorry, th- this this is not the liturgy, but that's the same thing that uh, Christopher West. You know, he's the premier speaker on theology of the body. He does that same thing with regard to sexuality. Right. Like he'll be teaching kids all along about his own children about that, but then he'll say, "Oh, but you're not ready yet to hear more meaning about the body." But one day you'll be ready. Right. And, and I think, then they get to be real eager. And then when it's time to share about sexuality, then he does with his own kids. So that's funny that you say that. It's a parallel. Well, it's one of, it's one of, it's one of the intimacy. rare, the church is one of the rare places that, that actually allows people to have to learn the, the benefit and the beauty of waiting. Cause you, cause so few places out there separate from the church would ever say, wait, but, Wait, because it's not something, it, wait, it's, it's something that you are meant or maybe meant to experience, whatever, it depends on what you're talking about, but you're not quite ready yet. You know, like the passion for us, the movie, it was another thing. We as parents just decided on, and it changed from kid to kid on whether they could watch the movie, The Passion, like whether they, were they ready to watch it? So it was a big deal when we're like, I think maybe you can handle that when my daughter turned 16 or whatever, where I thought, okay, she, her heart can handle what she's about to see, whatever that 
day is. It's different for everybody, but it certainly was different from that. But, but again, this, this buildup of excitement, because that's kind of what the church is pointing to anyway, because they, we, we should be, I can't wait to get to heaven. Right. I mean, there's this buildup of, um, it's not time yet, but I'm being called to that. There should be this hope, this expectation, this excitement as a human of I'm in a waiting period, but I'm headed towards this and I can't wait till I get there, but it's not time yet. What do you think about that? I mean, I I love it. It reminds me of Lent itself. Exactly. is this time of self-denial because you're waiting for something that's going to be really, really good. And so I love it, Trey. And, you know, and then you think about like a married couple. One of the reasons why Pope John Paul gave us the theology of the body is people wanted the easy way out with right. regard to sexuality. And so contraception is a way, it's kind of a technological way of not having to wait. Exactly. You could just have, you know, whenever you want. But what self-mastery does is it, you know, kind of helps build up, oh, this great union that God has given us. And so it, it teaches children. Yeah, I mean, gosh, just think about all the levels we just covered. <laughs> no, but see, but that's that's the beauty of what you're doing because because it is the church provides us so many mechanisms to teach things that are really counter to the culture, and there's something that they, that is every day. I mean, you have the opportunity throughout at at whatever age to convey this there's something I'm longing for, something that is beautiful and great, but it's, but there is a time for it. And that that's really, that's about maturing anyway. There's, there's something out there that I'm longing for and it's coming, but in the interim I have to wait and waiting is a good thing. Not, not this world, you know, today with just a, you know, (laughs) Google or whatever. I mean, you can get anything. I mean, Amazon's like you order it in certain cities and it's there before the end of the day. I mean, whereas, (laughs) I mean, it's just, we're a no weight, we're a no weight culture. I mean, they, the apps to go to dinner, you know, put your, put your reservation in and show up at this time because, you know, God forbid that you would have to wait and have a conversation with somebody while you're waiting for your table. I mean, it's just, it's, it is part of the culture. We need to get back to our children that there is beauty in waiting. But anyway, I, I, I step off my, <laughs> my preach Bob, but I think what you're doing is you're giving parents through what you've, what you're delivering in these books. And, and in this book in particular is a way of teaching all of these things, which become part of their life. I mean, without the cross mm-hmm. and the crucifix, how do you explain suffering? And that suffering is not meaningless without a crucifix. How do you, you know, there's so many things that just as you go through a, a skin knee, and I don't know why would God do this to me. I've had, I mean, I've had kids, you know, look at, <laughs> look at the cross, look at Jesus on the cross. So offer that up. I mean, there's so many connections that as a parent you have in just day-to-day life of living in our bodies to point them towards the beauty of the big picture and their insertion into it, so to speak. They're, they're, they're being part of this big picture. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. And then, you know, let, let's, let's go back to the liturgy. Yeah, please. I loved it. What Daddy has said, you know, he said, maybe this show will call it the theology of the liturgy. And I'm just totally on board with that. The so, liturgy of the body. Uh, that's right. The yes. liturgy of the body. <laughs> <laughs> I misquoted you. So what, what, we, what do we have at Mass? Well, we have the liturgy of the Word, and then we have the liturgy of the sacrament, the liturgy of the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. And so even with that, like for for parents to point that out to the children. Like, do you know that the Mass is divided into two parts? Absolutely. Liturgy of the Word and Liturgy of the Eucharist or the Sacrament. And for those listeners who don't know this, the theology of the body is divided into, guess what? The words of Christ, and then the second part is the sacrament. 
Mm-hmm. So he's mm. deliberately, Pope John Paul is deliberately helping to point us to the liturgy. And then what, what happens at the Easter Vigil? Well, the liturgy of the Word, as you said, is like basically all of salvation history. And those parishes that do it really well will have the readings read in the dark, or at least right. a darkened kind of, um, you know, uh, church. And so to tell the kids before they get there, like, okay, now it's not going to be all lit up. Why? Well, the darkness teaches you that Jesus Christ has not yet come. It's the salvation history of the Old Testament. And then finally, when it's time to read the New Testament, then you stand up and lights are lit and trumpets the altar, blare. Altar, altar is adorned. And guess what? Uh, hallelujah. We get to say, you know, and for them to like, oh, wow, this is exciting. And then what happens? Then baptism. Why does baptism? We get baptism because now that Jesus Christ has come and risen. And, and by the way, what do, what do they see with the resurrection? They see a body. Right. You know, Jesus is not just a spiritual uh, resurrection. Mm-hmm. It's a bodily resurrection so that we know that he exists. And then you get to see people, why do they go under the water and then back up again? Well, it shows death to the old self and, you know, rise to new life. And you, you, you too guys and your readers kind of know all this, but to bring it out as parents to children, it's just exciting and it just helps them to participate at Mass. You know, active participation in the Vatican II documents, people often think that meant, oh, you got to be a Eucharist minister or usher. Well, no, it actually means, you know, try to every single language of the word, let it resonate in your body to awaken you to the supernatural. Right, and that. So let me see if y'all have any comments about that. Well, I was just saying. I mean, our our website, and we've always said this, and I stole I've stolen it, but I but I talked about parenting is needing to be full, conscious, and active participation in this mm-hmm. formation of a child, and and what I was thinking was is mass every mass. I mean, if you just went to mass on Sundays, I guess that would be fifty two, right? And you just took one thing a week. I mean, you to to point out to the kids, you know, or I don't even know how you do it, but it, it's that those little pennies that are pitched that are purposely actively thought out and, and added, Hey, did you know this? Now pay attention there. Where's the break in the mass between the liturgy of the word and the liturgy of the Eucharist? It, you know, yeah. I mean, th- those are such great opportunities and you don't have to like, go over everything at once. In fact, it's probably better not to you just pick one thing this Sunday, pick one thing mm-hmm. next Sunday, prepare for, go listen to this. Go ahead. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I have a question that I wanted to put to the two of you, which is, I think this, this liturgy of the body also helps to maybe illuminate why attendance at mass is so important. We, live in a society where you can do things virtually, you know, right. yet the requirement is that you be in attendance. you be physically present in the church, in the, in the sacrifice of the mass. And there's something, there's something that the church is saying to us about your, your body has to come along with your spirit in this worship of the almighty. You can't, you can't just do it, um, with half of your, half of yourself, so to speak, you know? And yeah, the, the body of Christ is being, uh, represented that sacrifice of his body is being represented on the altar again, not, not again, I'm sorry, I'm using the wrong, the wrong language. And your body needs, needs to be present at that sacrifice as well. Your body should be sacramentally at the foot of the cross with Christ on the cross. What do you think about that? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's terrific. And so remember at the beginning of the the show, I said, parents, the main thing is talking about the body and its meaning. And so you've heard me before, whenever you've heard the show with me on it before, uh, saying a body-to-body encounter or 
like my special needs nephew, Nikki, whenever I come in, he'll put away his cell phone. He'll put away the computer and say, Aunt Monty, we are body to body. That's right. We're body to body, Nikki. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of helps like at, at the home awaken the attitude toward the body. And then because he's not old enough, he doesn't know that that could be sexualized. <laughs> and so right. you might not say body to body with teenagers because they're like, what? You know? But once they kind of, like, if you've done it all their lives, and then they're like, oh, my gosh, what have you been teaching me, mom and dad, body to body? You're like, yep, now you're ready to hear about sexuality. And that's why contraception is against the, the, um, the human person, because it's not body to body. There's something that's not given. Right. And then when they're older, okay, and I would say for like 17-year-old, maybe 18-year-old, depending on the maturity, then it is true that St. John Paul would say that the um, marital love is an act of worshiping God. So conjugal love is a body-to-body way of worshiping God. And then delicately, because you don't want to sexualize Christianity, but delicately you would say, oh, and guess what? At Mass, there is a body-to-body encounter with God the closest you could be to God on earth. And then you would say, look, in marriage, like, you know, your, your mom and I, your dad and I at the altar at our wedding, we did the language of words by having our vows and then the language of the body on our honeymoon night and subsequent acts renewing our vow. And then to relate that to the liturgy, there's the language of the words and the language of the body. Now, I don't put that in my book because it's too close of a parallel. So I make sure I distance myself for eighth graders in the book. But once Toby gets more money, um, I'm going to be writing something for, for high schoolers. And so 17 and 18 year olds, when they see this parallel, they're like, oh, my gosh. Now I not only get why I should wait for um, marriage to engage in that sacred act, but also, oh, Mass makes even more sense. Now, y'all, I, I, I think we've talked about this. To what I just said, go ahead. Oh, I think we've talked about this before on a show. We only have about five minutes left, but I think it is okay. really interesting that we have the the consecration of the Eucharist, and we talk about the consummation of the marriage. You know, there's <laughs> there's some real fascinating parallels there with with the language. Um, yeah. Yes, indeed. Well, indeed, fascinating parallels. Indeed. And as as young kids, and this is a little bit going back, I I've always said that that you have to help them connect the dots between the invisible and the visible. And so going to mass, we don't. I've never. I always said we don't have to go to mass. We get to go to mass. And when I when I get to go to mass, I'm not going to miss that bodily because I know that of all the places I can know, even though I don't see her, that I am that I am with my mother, that I'm with my grandfather, with all these people who've gone before who were so integral in my life, people I love and I miss, but I don't have to miss them like they're just in my memory. I know that when I go there, if they're, I, I'm, I'm in their presence. More than that, I'm in the presence of God himself. Why would I not put my body there? It's like I talk about, is it better to talk with me on the phone, assuming you as a child love me as a dad? on the phone or even on FaceTime, or is it better for me to be there in your presence and to hug you and to talk and to hear my voice and to do all the things you've got to build into that, that there is a difference between kind of just hearing alone and being in the presence of somebody. I, I think, mm-hmm. and that, and that, that we all want, there's certain people that we want to be in the presence of, and there's certain ways that are appropriate to be in the presence of somebody and with somebody, and that that is all part of being human. And I, that's the way I think I get to go to church. I, why would I ever consider missing Mass? Not because it's a mortal sin, but because I've gotta, I want to be bodily in the presence of Jesus, in the presence of of those who've gone before me. I mean, that's, if you can communicate with that, pray for the excitement to do that because my kids, have got, they know how I respond to that. We don't, we don't mm. have to, we get to. Yeah, awesome. That's a good way of putting it. 
Yeah, one of my my last pages is it, Mass is a cosmic union. You know, it's it's the sacred precinct between time and eternity, heaven and earth, natural and supernatural, and it's all about union. And so, yeah, it's it's just great. So I'm I'm yeah. hoping that parents will enjoy talking about the smallest to the biggest aspects of the liturgy and how the the body matters. And we'll keep it. So how so how do they get your your um, yeah. contact with you? Find Go out what they get. Org. Yeah, T O B E T dot org. They okay. can order uh, Catholicism for everybody. Um, um, go and, get it and enjoy. And that's yeah. also where they can go to donate if they want to give you some more money, like you talked so about. So we can right? get the stuff for the <laughs> for the older kids, right? Indeed. We Indeed. all we all need we all need help. I I it always goes very fast, and I'm not sure where well, we're going to just trust that God got what He wanted out of of this in spite of me, but, but, um, but I'm so grateful that you're here. We thank you. Y'all go out there. It's such a great gift that she's given, um, and explaining the gift that God's given us in and through the liturgy and in and through our bodies. Yeah. Thank you so much. Do that. Yeah. So thank you very much. I'm going to, I'm going to use the one we did last week because I think Romans 12 two, I appeal to you therefore brethren by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice fully and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Fitting, I think we used it last week too, but hey, it's the Word of God. Anyway, so so grateful you are listening. We're glad you're here. Hope this was beneficial. Um, always remember that only God can take the mystery out of parenthood. Pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. And He will. God bless you guys. Pray for us. We'll be praying for you. Bye.